From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in rested Wasteful Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. In this interview episode, we talk to game designer and developer Lane Davis, co-founder of Escape Industries, to discuss serial game design, or starting more games than you finish, and we'll also get into the practice of adding juice to your games. So, everyone's ready. Let's start. Smooth. <laughs> I try to time those. <laughs> well, it comes out differently every time, but it's fun. Yeah. I'd say one in three is a success, yeah. and the others are passable. Yeah. I kept, uh, last night when I was at work all night, for some reason I kept saying that a lot, where people would be like, are we ready? Let's start. And I'm like, if everyone is ready, let's start. Can't confirm. <laughs> this happened a lot. Well, tell us this story now, because I think listeners want to know what you're talking about. Oh, um, you probably have seen in the news that the Minnesota legislator has uh, gone into special session, which means all the IT people have to also go into special session, which means we're there all night. So I'm so well rested. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't sleep through this interview episode at all (laughs) and make us wait. Sorry, this is guys. Actually, the first time hearing of this. Does that make me a bad citizen of Minnesota? Oh, uh, no. That's that's. I wouldn't probably have heard of it. It's a very political answer. You're good at this. <laughs> well, it, you're not I mean, by our timeline, it just happened, so you're okay. But listeners yes. who are like, this is news to them. Maybe they should read a paper. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's June fifth. <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? Oh man, I hope that's accurate. We're terrible at calendar math. It is a nice sunny June day out there, Stephen. (laughs) But get a load of what the president just did, man. (laughs) Oh man, that's a perennial topic. Nice, yeah. Nice to be a June May kind of sucked, especially right at the end. Yeah, that was horrifying. Oh yeah, that was (laughs) terrible. That was a day. So Lane Davis, yes. you are clearly familiar with this program. You've been on it once before. I've listened to it once or twice. <laughs> you're also a re- you're a returning guest. Yes. You were on one of our co-op episodes. Yes. Yes. Uh, and that was really fun. Idea got to two, so yeah. I had to play catch up. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, a little bit of advance notice. We might have a little more of Idea coming up. Oh! So Lane, sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we'll just have you back on. Ever yeah. since she whooped me at Henshin Engine, I yeah. can't win. <laughs> So far behind. When we have Fingers up and we have our special Fingers episode, yeah, we'll just have you yeah, and Charles on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, special Fingers episode. You know, coming soon, TM. <laughs> <laughs> Man, on Nice Game Club, every episode's a special Fingers episode. Oh, hey, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Well, for those of you who don't know, Lane works with uh, Stephen. They're making Fingers together. Yeah, and so we hear a lot about Fingers, since Stephen's very embarrassed about that. But we always want to hear about it. <laughs> Uh, and I'm, I know our listeners do too. Mm-hmm. So, Stephen, just got to stop right. yourself up. Um, but we'll hear a little bit more about, about it, of course. But really, Lane, you're here to talk about uh, a topic you proposed: serial game design. Yeah, and you made that sound like a very dirty topic earlier. We're <laughs> starting more games than you finish. Isn't man. that is that isn't that what is it that is? Really, the best we can do. We well, can't do okay. like learning from like each. It will blossom as it grows up in the garden of your mind. Are you? Well, I, this is where we have to go with this. The reason it, it interested me as a topic is yes. because it is something that I think a lot of people do, which they they start a project, then they start another project, start another project. Absolutely, and, and that's a process by which you learn so much. Mm. I mean, if the more different things you do, and this is true of of games or different disciplines or anything, mm-hmm. uh, the more you know about more things, and that's just a valuable tactic. But at the same time. It could also get you kind of stuck, right? Like, when do you know to move on? When is it time to finish something? And I think, like, uh, you, you had told us, you've, you've started how many games? Uh, before Vengeance, 21, after at least five. Yeah. 
So, uh, like a fair number? I yeah. don't think those numbers are that crazy, though. Like, I feel yeah. like I know a fair number of people who are in the same boat who just Admittedly, always. Sure, sure. You're not wrong. Yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. um, what's what's it? Ed McMullen, the 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 dude in Super Meat Boy. Yes, yes, yeah. Super Meat Boy. Yeah. yeah, he made a whole bunch of him and his partner had made a whole bunch of games mm-hmm. um, before. So, like, mm-hmm. and I mean, like, it's it's good because a lot of people say that you're not you're. Your fifth, your first game is not going to be popular. Your fifth game might right, be right, possibly. Right. Yeah. Well, that, that's, yeah. Uh, we talked about prototyping a lot, and like, there's certainly, there's certainly, it's a healthy practice to like try new things. Yep. I think the maybe, and and this is where you know you can clarify a little bit, like mm-hmm. as a serial game design as a practice rather mm-hmm. than as a habit. Like you know, uh, um, is it when you start these different game projects? Are they with the intention of finishing them? Do you abandon them, well, or is it just time to move on? When you're or do you a kid, keep working on them. When you're a child, uh huh. Every game is. The game. Every yeah. game is the thing that is going to be your life for the next 20 years. It's going to be a hit. Yeah. Everyone's going to love it. And they'll love you because you made it. Uh-huh. But uh, as, as, as you learn a little bit, I think by the time you are, you know, in your like seventh long-term relationship, you kind of pick up, a, <laughs> learn to pick up a few signs. Yeah. Things might not be working out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just feel like uh, at a certain point, it's uh, like once you're on your like 12th game or something, and probably substantially earlier if you're smart, but that's when, about when it was for me. Yeah. You sort of realize that uh, this, this happens. Uh-huh. This happens. And uh, you actually can speed up the process a lot if you put on your white gloves and you break out your scalpel and your chainsaw and you just start <laughs> ripping through games as fast as possible. There's a fellow here uh-huh. who is like, I, I don't want to call him a new game designer because... Uh, that's kind of disrespectful. I think he's been doing this for a long time. But Alex Carlson, yeah, I yeah. admire that guy because he, I think, as a practice, mm-hmm. tries to get through new game ideas really fast yeah, and yeah, iterate yeah. really quickly mm. on ideas. And I think he's developed the art of coming up with an idea and then pushing it aside once he's made a, a brief implementation of it. Right. I think that's something that we kind of talk about with uh, fast prototyping and getting things yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's emotionally very difficult to put into practice. I admire people who do that. Sure, I suppose. So, I mean, you really kind of are talking about prototyping. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about some of these projects of yours. Like, how far did they get? And I, I mean, mm. were they just prototypes? Well, these were uh, many of them board games that I worked on okay. for uh, multiple years. Some of them, some, yeah. some with a lot of overlap with okay. others. Uh, some with uh, some were StarCraft and WarCraft mods, mm-hmm. and then a few mm-hmm. little Unity projects here and there. Sure. Um, but. Uh, for the most part, I guess. I guess why what I why why I learned from them mm-hmm. is that design space is a really really hard thing to figure out yeah. from yeah. first principles. For you sure. don't know how smoothly a game is going to come out, mm-hmm. and you, you hear like interviews with uh, Jonathan Blow is somebody I yeah. think about quite a bit, um, <laughs> talking about how Braid, uh, that hit indie title, was a game that for him just flowed out, and I feel like. Jonathan Blow is really smart, but right. is he really the only person that can do that? Can we each come up with a game idea that can just like flow out of us? And if so, how much are we willing to gamble early on in the game making process yeah. so that we can find something like that? Sure. sure I've sure. definitely gotten much more willing to See, gamble. See, the way Jonathan Blow designs his games is he will come up with like one main concept, not mm-hmm. even a concept, one like game mechanic and build that mechanic as big as possible. So the way he did it with The Witness is uh, he, what was it? He had just. Line whole bunch of dot, yeah, just a yeah. bunch of line and dot puzzles, and he just built that as much as possible. And so, some of the puzzles more they feel more like um, less. They, they're, I mean, not everything in the game is necessarily supposed to be fun, but he put uh, he puts the uh, the important 
concepts in there to make sure that people that people are they, they basically what happens is like people progress the way that he progresses when he discovers different ways you can approach that mechanic mm. while you're playing the game mm-hmm. which is really interesting mm-hmm. and I, I, I enjoy mm. following Jonathan Blow but I think he's mm-hmm. kind of a bit pretentious about it Whoa, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, no. I'm, going there. I'm sorry P word I'm sorry man. He's a genius, man. He is. is. Like, no, I I respect him for sure. But like, I think a lot of people approach games in that way too. It's just that maybe they're less, they're more picky about the things they put in that game. I don't know. I see. I see. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Braid feels like really constrained to me. Hmm. But okay. Like, like in terms of, there's only like five new things the game ever does. The game ever makes you do. But, but the fact that like it all fits together so well, it's just it's the it's. It's, it's symptomatic of a very good idea mm-hmm. uh, executed well. And I'm just, uh, I'm, all I'm saying is that uh, uh, I feel like a lot of people can do that. Maybe they don't have to have the same attitude that he had earlier. I sure. think he's mellowed out a little bit. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so. But I think that, uh, uh, I think that this, is, this is something within a lot of our grasp. Mm-hmm. I think we just need to like iterate more. Oh, yeah. Experiment mm-hmm. more. Oh, I'm so glad Lane is here. <laughs> Preaching that good that good word. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, well, no. see, that's interesting because I think iteration is something that, I mean, we've preached on the show before. Yeah. And I think that mm. it's you know incredibly valuable. But I think there is a difference between like iterating on a concept that, yeah, maybe you're married to, maybe you're taking the bet on. Mm-hmm. Right? And and then also sort of juggling multiple things at once. Right. And I not I think they're just different approaches. Like I have a I have a real hard time. Uh, focusing on the one thing, but I make an effort and I I, I close doors a lot. It's really really difficult. But I, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is I shouldn't be doing that. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like I feel like I, there's there's a fair number of people. Yeah. I don't know if you're one of them. Okay. But who I feel are are in a place in their lives where they've been married to this game for so long. Sure. And like it's not really looking that great. Mm. And like mm. I feel like they should be able to. Pull the plug at some point. I see what you mean. I don't know. Like, I, I guess, I yeah. guess, I'm advocating uh, people abandoning their hard work, which might be easier point. if you have a couple of irons in the fire. Is I mean, I idea? mean, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I guess, I guess, what I'm saying fundamentally is, yeah. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say uh, anybody who's been in the in, in the industry for a long time should be approaching it this way. But for somebody who is really new, yeah, into this, yeah. I feel like what better process than something like what what Alex does, which is like every week or every month. New title, new right, title. Right, right, just right. to explore the space of like what games. That's can be. what he's. That's what he's doing. He's doing like a uh, a, a game every month or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's literally doing like a program or something about that. Like we should look in that and put it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Right, right, absolutely. But I, I I do think that at some point, um, everybody needs the experience of yeah. a commitment, right, and right, of right. seeing like how much far you can take one idea. I just strongly feel as though um, the more experimentation somebody does earlier in their career, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that pays a lot of dividends. I think yeah. maybe you reach a point where you can no longer do that responsibly. Yeah, I, I think I, I know what you're saying because what, what what I do is I've been doing lots of VR prototypes the past year, and mm-hmm. I, I I cry myself to sleep on, huh. on the weekends. I work on them yep. because I'm like I just have and I I did something fun, whatever. I got proof of concept. Uh, now I have to just be done with it yes. because <laughs> th- that's that's the the doors I'm closing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm hearing from you when you say like this is in these board game designs you were working on for years and years, yeah. Well, I, did, did you decide to then abandon them after that much time or did you, or, or is it, or are they something that you just sort of keep simmering? Cause oh, I think that's the difference. And that's where maybe, that's where maybe not. you and I have an ideological oh, man. Uh, struggle. I, I hope we do. I yeah. hope we do. Cause that's always good air. Uh, I think, okay. I, I think that there have been moments where I've been like 
thank goodness I get to stop doing this. <laughs> like this doesn't have to be a part of me anymore. Yeah, like yeah. I tried to make this work for so long mm-hmm. and I, I realized I was forcing it and yeah. just like dropping it was just such a relief. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, like, like for example, when I made a, uh, uh, a StarCraft ish board game yeah. that had a tech tree. <laughs> oh, wow. You don't do that early in your yeah. career. That's a bad idea. It's a lot of moving parts that have to all work together. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. So that sounds intense. Yes. Do you have that sitting around somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> I have it in a drawer. You know what we need to do is we should host it. He was night. relieved, Steve, and he doesn't want to ever see it again. <laughs> I mean, if you want to develop it, you have oh, it. Oh, no. no I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've got enough projects. So, Lane, how many of the projects that you have, how many do you have going right now? Um, two. Okay, is two. it that one you're working on with that class? And I guess conceivably three. But uh, oh, okay. yes, one of them is um the unknown game, which I will call Star Battle. Okay, and this is because I made it for Star Academy, and <laughs> by I made it, I mean a bunch of middle school kids <gasps> made it, and I just sort of made the shell of it. Yeah, I sort of made like. The, the screen shake and the body shake and right. the lighting effects so that everything would kind of look cool so it was mm-hmm. easy to make cool looking stuff right but all the enemies and the guns and stuff that was all the kids <laughs> all the dungeon rooms that's wonderful all nice yeah. i love that. that's so yeah. cool yeah were you doing that through something or or yes i was uh i, I was just contracted to teach for a semester at star oh Academy, that's so cool is, yeah yeah for a little school for homeschool kids uh to come in one, one day a week that's so cool yeah. so you got that and you got vengeance yes and you have um, another board game that yeah. has been in the works for the like best. four years. It's yeah. good. It is really good. Is this if a card game that you've played. had? You brought into Glitch a couple times. This is the card game. Okay. <gasps> I've never yes. played it because there's always someone who beats me to it, and it's a really long game. It's a pretty long but game, like, yeah. but it holds yeah. your attention. That's what I like about it, uh, and I'm yeah. desperate to try it. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's called Triumph. Okay, it's very fun. So the I, I'm explaining the game for you, but I played oh, it a bunch. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate look, look. that. Do you want to? Okay, I'll explain. Um. So the game is you are all in a party of adventurers and you're trying to defeat a, a monster or whatever it is. There's a whole bunch of different things. Sometimes yeah. they're monsters, sometimes they're like creatures. I don't know. Um, but anyways, uh, everybody wants everybody on your party wants the glory, and so they want to get the last hit on the monster to get the most glory because that's they all, no no one really cares to the person who's supporting, right? Uh-huh. They only care about the person who gets the kill. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and so that's that's the whole game. And so we uh, Lane has built a bunch of mechanics around that. And um, after each monster, you uh, you can gain uh, new skills and stuff. And whoever gets the last hit, I think, gets to pick first, right? Mm. But like, mm-hmm. um, you get new skills, and you get to build out your character more. Um, and and then you just keep fighting monsters. And then I think you go up to level five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> so so yeah. It's 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 just it just takes the most fun part of League of Legends, which is kill stealing. <laughs> you just turn that into a game all by itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to bring up a topic for you guys. I wanted to ask you guys, um, is on the topic of becoming better as, uh-huh. a, as a game designer, I wanted to ask you, uh, what is a way that you have changed your mind recently, like in the last year or so, yeah. about, mm. about making games? Huh. That is a good question that I need to think about. I mean, <laughs> I, can, I, I can go first. <laughs> I can cue up the Jeopardy music. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot this was so high tech. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you go first. Yeah, okay. go first. Well, maybe this is just an excuse to compliment Mark. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I feel like Mark's role in the community, yes, he is the official glitch videographer. Yes, he does the nice games club. He hosts it. But uh, uh, the way I look at Mark is he is like, um, 
Doc Lewis, and we're all a thousand little Macs out there. And he's just trying to coach us up for the big fight. And I feel like uh, the, my personal Mike Tyson is my terrible game ideas. And uh, Mark oh, yeah. often lets me overcome these by having uh, fun conversations about reasons not to do things in game. And that's fun is a word for them. One of my, that's one of my favorite things. One of my favorite things. And, and so I guess uh, one way that, that Mark changed my mind uh, somewhat recently, I guess this was uh, maybe two or three months ago, was I had gotten so excited about this power-up that we put in the game to like make the characters uh, all... Um, uh, twin stick. Yeah. So, so instead of instead of just narrowly shooting forward like the man says that you should, <laughs> instead you got to with dual analog sticks. You got to like move your submarine around in vengeance right. and like shoot enemies from any angle. Yeah. And uh, man. You had the best description of what Fingence was and why combat works in that game. Yeah. I've really been carrying that with me because you said that like it was uh, sort of red light, green light. I forget if that was your exact words, but it was like, it was like, <laughs> maybe not, maybe not. Maybe you didn't compare that, but that's, that's what I heard. Yeah. That it was like, uh, like, like the enemies were shooting you and they were owning a certain amount of space and you had yeah. to dodge out of that space. Oh, yes, yes. But in order to shoot them, you had to invest and get it get into that space that mm -hmm. was dangerous in order to continue shooting them. Yeah, it was oh. a risk reward kind of setup wow. where you can exactly you could dodge and that's that's survival, but that doesn't get you progress. That's yeah. And so the yeah the, that's how I've always approached it is 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 like it, it, yeah, red light green light is a good way right. to describe it. That's very interesting because you have been designing enemies more towards that recently. Definitely, I didn't definitely. even. Huh, look at that. I had no Mark, idea. Putting your little stamp on fitness. Well, I mean, mostly my, my <laughs> in that conversation, because yeah. like, I mean, that Lane, you have been so good about like taking the heat that people give you, <laughs> which is like, that's, that's a sign of maturity that we don't all have. Yeah. Um, but it's really nice to hear that this was valuable to you mm. because I think that the proposal you had was to make, was to just turn the game into a twin, twin, twin stick shooter, which would have been so much fun. Uh, like, I think that was what you were caught up in, right? Probably. And I think the thing that troubled me most is that it would be a great game. It would just be a different game. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And and like and you know it, it was a it was a conversation, but you know yeah. you didn't you understood right away what, oh. what what we were getting at. Oh, absolutely, and absolutely. like and like like in the moment it was a little hard to hear, but like <laughs> since then it has been very valuable. And so like it 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 taught me what was fun about the game I was working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that is that weird? Like it was like I couldn't quite put it into words mm -hmm. at that point, but it was very much like red light green light. It was very much like. How soon can you re-engage after, uh, how, how quickly can you turn fear back into aggression? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that ties in a little bit to sort of what you, why I'm a little bit scared of this idea of serial game design. Mm. Is this notion mm -hmm. of like having so many things going means you're sort of endlessly tinkering. Mm -hmm. And that, and maybe because you proposed it, I well, kind of thought it would have that little bit of that dimension to it. <laughs> I because I get, I get really nervous about it in my own work. Like okay. I, will, I will come with an idea and I will be really scared that it will be a good idea that's not right. Uh, and so, and that holds me back sometimes, right. which is not good. But, uh, but I also, I, I know that has saved me a couple times where <laughs> I'm like, oh, let's not tear this up and bring it down. And I think you are more daring than most people are, which is to your credit. But at the same yeah, time, real, that's benefited. But, but you know, oh, yeah, Fingence has this like great sort of diversity of gameplay. I think a lot because, and mm -hmm. Steven's described this to me before, is he's the cautious one and you're the, the daring one. <laughs> and you guys meet in the middle and it really works. Yeah. Um, I, I would say like a whole other topic that I might suggest for Nice Games Club down the road is yeah. the, the benefits of working with people whose personality isn't the same as yours. Yeah. Because yeah. like, dude, if we ever do the Fingence episode, that could be like a subtopic because yeah. dude, the like <laughs> industriousness and like thoughtfulness that Charles has. Yeah. And then, and then your like thoughtfulness over like what new players need. Yeah. And then, and then my like ridiculous 
stupidity. Um, <laughs> it's not stupidity. Like, it totally, totally comes to innovative. I would, yeah, innovative or uh-huh. it's. Because you're pushing you're, the bounds, <laughs> rebel without a cause. Groundbreaking. Uh, I love it. This, this club's getting a little too nice. <laughs> no, I mean like because because um, you've come up with all these. I mean, admittedly crazy ideas sometimes, um, but like new and unique ideas. Like we have been able to think about vengeance mm. or add things to vengeance that have impacted uh, the game uh, uh, in huge ways. Mm. Positively, like it, yeah, yeah, and, and so being being that person, but having the community around you who can like restrain you and, yeah. and like, yeah. but, but more importantly, like have such a in depth discussion, and that is willing to take a moment out of their day to really think deeply about what how your game works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's an incredible service. It is. This place is like fantastic. we're we're all invested in each other's work, yeah. and we're all fans of each other's work, and like it's it's impossible to not care mm. and, and then that is so valuable and you know that's what leads me to sort of my what i've changed in the past year is yeah. like you know i i i i very much prefer a collaborative environment but i have most experience as a one-man shop yeah. Yeah. in many different fields and yeah. but whenever i have the opportunity to work with others i always get a lot of like a lot from it there's always a you know uh, it's more than the sum of its parts kind of thing it's why this show works right yeah mm-hmm. and um but i find myself very often working on my own and being sort of the auteur because i'm kind of obsessed with figuring out how it all works and like yeah. i mm-hmm. i see that as a i i value that in myself but i also understand its limits and and it, it can it can bar me from certain experiences mm-hmm. so what it's been nice with this community is being very comfortable with like taking somebody else's idea that they've mm-hmm. given you mm-hmm. and making that work and i've been doing that a lot lately with um the the story structure of my game Yes. Um, we have an event here called Storyforge um, yeah. that uh, Abdiwak and Bobby run um, once a month at Glitch. And it's just workshopping game narratives. And I've, I always had a strong sort of uh, 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 fiction and world and narrative for my game. And we've talked about it on the show before that it's not in the game, right? Mm-hmm. It's just something that I have written down in notes and it's kind of scattered around. Yeah. And then as the game prog- my, my game progresses, I start needing to just make decisions about some of these things and sort of solidify a lot of it. And it's been so valuable to just hear other people's reactions to what the game currently is and then take those things I've been thinking about forever that I feel really strongly about Mm -hmm. and then just use that as the flavor, but really what people's reactions and use that as like the core of it. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten way more comfortable Mm -hmm. with that, that a year or two ago, I would have a lot of trouble. I would take, I would enjoy the feedback and the collaboration process, but I would, I would, uh, it would be harder for me to just be like, yeah, I'm doing that. Yeah. You know, like, right. Like, and I'm much more comfortable just like taking an idea and running with it that that I didn't just come up with and think about for three weeks, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and like stew over. And that, I mean, that's sort of a little change that I almost didn't notice happened until mm-hmm. more recently. Mm-hmm. Are you able to find the uh, parts of other people's ideas that you become passionate about? Is Does it, does it turn into an energy that you carry into the game? Yeah, there's two parts of it. One is, is exactly that, mm-hmm. that like, um, that someone will have a notion and then because I understand what I want more, like what my goals are, I can take that and just pretend it was my idea and then finish the idea, right? I, I feel, I don't feel weird about that the mm-hmm. way I think a lot of people do when they want ownership of, a, of, of sort of every corner of it. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other part is um, being able to um, sort of take those pieces and put them together with other previous ideas I had. So instead of, so there's taking someone's idea and then finishing it, but also taking someone's idea and using it as a solution or as the second half of an idea you already have. Mm-hmm. And then either that becomes 70, 30 or 30, 70 or whatever, but like b- basically tearing down the, the borders between uh, con- concepts. And it, it only works when you have a community that is, that is invested in what you're doing. So like at yeah. walk, especially, it, it like gave me a lot of really great sort of pointers, like, like go this way. 
And I mean, he didn't say it that way. He's like, Hey, maybe cause he's such a sweetheart. But, um, and I was like, okay, I'm going that way because like you set the road for me. Right. It's been, it's been a change and it's been more pretty recent and I'm really, really happy about it. I think what you're describing is a, enormous win-win for the community because your oh, game sure. ends up better and then it's stupendously satisfying for the yeah. people who see their thoughts. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, it very much warms my heart to hear that I had a positive impact on Fingence because I'm so invested in the success of that game. <laughs> I love it so much. I mean, we all are, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, yeah. anything we can help and, and uh, you know, not, not like being part of the team, but just like being cheerleaders and, and assists. Yeah. And I think that's, I, you get so much out of that and also it, pretty much guarantees that you'll, you have now this source of people to do that for you. Yeah. Martha, Ooh. Steven, any thoughts? Uh, well, or are you guys just like the rock <laughs> always moving I'll forward? I'll never change. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's the children who are rock. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think one thing that I've uh, changed my thoughts on um, are like very, the small things that you add in a game to make it, feel better or, mm-hmm. or for like narrative purposes, I guess those aren't necessarily small things, but I oftentimes I find myself less bothered by um, small things in games a lot of the time, but I notice that people will constantly bring them up. What's to me. the small things? Steven? <laughs> well, like for example, um, sometimes uh, like a sound, maybe like a sound, someone gets really annoyed about the sound and I'm like, I, I didn't even notice that this was an issue. Um, but like they will, they will constantly bring. You it remember up when Vengeance had that like ninety decibel bomb beeping, <laughs> <laughs> like ten minutes at a time? Yep, I remember that. That one, no, we picked up on that. I noticed that. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, a little thing for you. No, but um, I don't know. There's 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 little small touches that you can add to the game to make it more impactful for a certain a number of people, mm-hmm. and it really it, it really makes a difference. And those things, I um, I I have a harder time noticing because, like I said, the no, a lot of times, small things don't bother me as much, um, but I, I, because I pay attention to feedback um, a lot, um, I make sure that mm-hmm. I try to implement or at least consider those different kinds of perspectives, mm-hmm. those different kinds of things. So those have helped a lot because I think those little small touches that we've added to Fingence over the years um, have made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel like there's a substantial amount of time that you spend making games where it's like eating your vegetables, like making stuff <laughs> For other, because you know it's the right thing to do, but it's not something you really feel like doing. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Well, that's the difference between you as a, a developer, as a designer, as a as a player. Right. Yes. Right. And sometimes it's hard to divorce that. And mm-hmm. I feel like you probably more than most are able to see the difference. Yep. I am. Uh, I think a lot of other people, <laughs> I mean, either make games that they themselves would like or or they know there's a difference, but like have a hard time recognizing. Right. And I think you would do a better job than most of it. Yeah, yeah. There's a reason they call him Steven Business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Steven Business. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's something I've changed my tune on in the past year. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, I feel like I haven't been doing enough work on games in yeah. the past eight months <laughs> or oh. whatever, ever since I got a full-time job. <laughs> yeah, 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 that um, makes things hard. If it helps, we all feel like that no matter what the truth of it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's true. It's hard to, hard to find the time. But um, I think game jams, I've changed some of my thoughts about. Okay. Because mm-hmm. um, you used to like them quite a bit, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> Leading questions. Just Who's trolling. interviewing who Just here? <laughs> um. Yeah, well, it's it's been interesting, um, like doing game jams with Dylan because he has found that he doesn't like them very much at all. 
um, mostly because he doesn't feel like he can finish things and he likes to have a, like a final product that he can show. Um, And so he, it's been interesting watching him get so incredibly frustrated with like the progress of, of how fast you can make games in a game jam and, and what the scope is of them. Um, And that's been making me realize like, wow, how big people's scopes get in game jams. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and even when you think, oh, it's a small idea, like that small idea could is actually really, really big. Like mm-hmm. every time you go to to like implement just one mechanic, like there's going to be like so much work that goes into it. Um, and it's making me think a lot about like what an ideal game jam environment would be, and like what really is a small idea. Yeah, that is an interesting topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, on the show. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it would be it would be. Nice to like have a discussion about that sometime, and I don't know, figure out what what is the big, the nicest size idea that one can make. And right, right. How should we be guiding new jammers in in mm-hmm. game jams? Yeah. Like how how can we make that a better experience for people who uh, who want finished products or or just want a different experience out yeah. of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, think so, a lot of that is scope. So wait a minute. So what what about your opinion changed? Well, just the size of a game that I think you could make. Oh, I see. So you you were felt a little more unrestricted, and now you're worried. Now you're more concerned about scope. Yeah. Okay. I, or I guess I've just it's less of a like I was thought this, and now I think this, mm-hmm. and uh, more of a here's the dial, and it has moved been moved this way. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> of, know, of like the, just like learning what a small scope really is. Right. Right. Well, when we did the last uh, global game jam, uh, we I think we did pretty good on scope, but we did still scale back. From that, and that is probably the only reason it worked. <laughs> yeah, you know. But then at the same time, like if we'd have scoped even smaller, we might have been able to get a more polished thing. So yeah, it's real tough. Like mm-hmm. the thing that makes me want to do more game jams is Clawbreaker. <laughs> the, game, the game is perfect. Well, that's I think Dylan was like, but you made Clawbreaker in yeah. one night. How? How? <laughs> I, did he know about the days of polish? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Yeah, Cloudbreaker is a different situation in that we had a larger team. You guys were four people strong, right? Mm-hmm. We had seven people, I think. And um, and I guess we only did it in 24 hours, but we also worked on it afterwards a while. And so it's gotten, like, after, after really, once we finished it the, for the first 24 hours, the game was not that good. Um, <laughs> after after we worked on it for, like, a, a like four hours afterwards, it actually ended up improving quite a bit. Added mm-hmm. that short hop. That short hop, though. Yeah, <laughs> it's so nice. I totally get why Dylan would look at that and say, "Why didn't? Why isn't that thinking that's the average results?" <laughs> well, that's right? what I thought was the average result. Oh, sure, because so, that was your first game yeah, jam, right? Ooh. It was my first game jam, and so like the next game jam when we made the toothbrush oh, game, toothbrush, I was yeah. incredibly disappointed because I was like, <laughs> "It's not another clawbreaker. We're not going to work on this for the rest of our lives." Yeah, I guess that brings it back to. To what oh, you were talking don't, about. Don't, don't you do All my game jams have been terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like having it, like maybe um, the expectation thing, like not every idea you make yeah. is going to be the thing you work on oh, for like right. two years. Well, that's right. That brings back to a question you didn't answer, which is when do you know to give up on something? I think there's reason to believe that with games like Clawbreaker out there, mm-hmm. that after like one week of development time, Actually, quite le- a bit less, right? Yeah. Uh, that thing is fantastic. And you guys could like proudly show that for the rest of your lives. People will be entertained by it. Mm. 
if you're starting out, like if you if you aren't don't have an active game project right yeah. now, but you want to, like I feel like there's every reason to just gamble on a week at a time. Mm-hmm. And if your game sure. is not like actively compulsive to play after mm-hmm. a week, then move on at this point. Ah, at this okay. point, now I have when you're, when you're first weeks, starting, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like sure. I've only had very brief points of, times in my life where I've been able to do it like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I'm just thinking, like in terms of the numbers game, like it seems like a really attractive way to do things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that's what we talked. About, like Alex kind of works that way. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. Um, one at a time, maybe two at a time. Sure. If oh, you're doing daring. Hey, whoa, whoa, man. Um, when I said when I said the title of this was serial, yeah. I'm talking about like serial ports, not parallel ports here. <laughs> like let's get real. We're talking one at a time here. Okay, maybe okay, two. okay. So I mean that's the thing. I've been thinking about like when Metro Nexus is finished, mm. and it's gonna happen, guys, I swear. Yay! Um, <laughs> you know, and when Finches is done, like that what's the what's the strategy for and this is a question you asked wanted to ask, Lane. What's the strategy for beginning the next project? And it sounds like that's a pretty good one. It's just like a prototype, give yourself maybe a limited amount of time, make a judgment and move on. I mean, put it in a drawer so you can come back to it if you want to. Right. 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 Yeah. That's yeah. tough. But uh, let's say you've worked on something for a couple months and it's or maybe a couple of years. And it's time to get rid of it. Oof. How do you tell yourself it's time? Oof. I mean, every time I've done this, it was like when I w- was pretty young. Yeah. And so it was like not like my professional identity was on the line or something like yeah. that. I mean, it, yeah, I def- think it definitely gets harder yeah. as, you, as you get older. Right. Um, but I really think that like if you're at a spot where you, you have to just like work and work and work and toil away to make something that feels kind of fun right. for, for the game, I think it's, I think it's, it's time mm-hmm. to consider it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The one thing I would add to that is um, it it helps to do the playtesting and the, the demoing and the yes. getting the feedback from your fellow yeah. devs. That we've harped on community so often, but like that is the only way I know that Metro Nexus is any good. Right. It's because Ooh. people mm-hmm. have laughed while playing it. Yeah. And that's and the only you, way I know. Like I can't I can't convince myself because I'm not a good judge of, of that. I, my friends, even my trustworthy friends, will maybe be a little nicer to me than honest truth. But mm. um, you get some strangers in a room and you have them play, and you can get a hint. At if it's working or not. Yep. And I think that, I think a lot of people go without getting that feedback, you know? And I think so. But that's tough to do if you are doing like a prototype a week, because um, you're the only arbiter at that point. So I, then it's, well, no, it's tough. you can definitely show it off if, to people within yeah, a week. That's, yeah, that is true. Yeah. I, I, guess, I, I guess I'm saying that not many people do. Yeah. Maybe not many people have the opportunity. Yeah, that's well. true. That's a good point. Well, if you are a like digital game dev, you really have no excuse to not be taking um, like some framework files from game to game with you. Yes. Like for yes. example, I've got like a ton of stuff that does like math in 2d space. So I don't ever have to think about that again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and beginning to do that with some special effects packages. Mm-hmm. So that when I start a new game, it can just be like, poof, it like looks and plays pretty decent. And then I can like put the game logic in it. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so that lets you speed up as you, as you continue doing it. Right? Yeah. I have a, a utilities class in yeah. my game that came, that started in my last game. It just gets bigger each time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that will follow me to my future games and it'll, I'll change it to other languages. And yeah, just, is. Oh, you, so you don't have to reinvent it. the wheel exactly time, for sure. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, Shanti's got his mega methods. I, I'm probably getting that wrong, <laughs> so I stole that idea. Yeah, super functions in our game. We do have that. <laughs> mega methods is a better name. He, he wins on that one. Mega methods. Yeah. I do want to go back to uh, Stephen when you were talking about sort yeah. of what you, you're thinking about those, those little things that make a difference. Yeah. Uh, we want to talk to Lane about uh, another name ah. for that, which is called what? Oh. Video game juice. <laughs> 
the the juice, right? Lane juice. Little touches. Lane, Lane is, is the juice master. Yeah, so I am a juice journeyman. I have not <laughs> earned that. Anyway, yes. <laughs> video game juice. Yes, yes. Um, what is video game juice lane? Can you describe it for us? Sure. Yeah, okay. So um, I guess a really simple way of describing it is all of the uh, special effects mm-hmm. in a game that give you an intuitive read on the world. Yeah. And I'm talking about like without having to think about something, something can just feel big yeah. or something can feel dangerous to you. Or it can feel like satisfying to hit something, mm-hmm. um, and what this what this what this really is is a bunch of different uh, audio, visual, and like sometimes haptic uh, things coming together at the same time. Yeah, um, in a way that seems natural mm-hmm. because uh, different different senses have different advantages. Um, for example, I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen the research that came out of Facebook recently that. When somebody is in a um, VR environment, mm-hmm. uh, their beliefs are subject to change in a way that they aren't when they're looking at a screen. Okay. Like having right. a, 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 the peripheral vision involved here, or maybe feeling like you're in an immersive environment, means that things that you see in there are more persuasive than they would be otherwise. Uh, really? The same message really? strikes you in a different way. Okay. Um, hmm. and, and so like for, for our game, since this is just on like flat panel screens, right. what we really want to do, our most important thing is making it so that people feel fear correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, because oh. because uh. what you want to do is you want to take all of the like natural stimulus that you would get if like a, a bull was charging at you. Yeah. You got some like particles because there's dust flying up. Um, you might be attenuated on that bull so it probably looks a little bit bigger in your vision because mm-hmm. uh, you're focusing on it right um it's it's definitely making some sounds it's definitely snorting at you and so all the things that like a big scary animal would do everything or everything's a, a big word but like you're, <laughs> you want you want the enemy that's about to shoot you in our game yeah. to do as well mm-hmm. so that when an enemy does damage to you in a game you really owe it to yourself to feel something there so that you know to get out of the way. Yeah. But what, I, what I'm getting at is the fact that this is about to deal 20 damage to me is really not very interesting. I won't really feel anything about that. Right. Mm-hmm. But if we kind of wag the dog a little bit, if we do those things that are naturally associated with fear, mm-hmm. the person is going to feel like I should get out of the way. Yeah. yeah. And they will feel, um, how did I know how to do that? Oh my God, I'm a genius. <laughs> you make people feel really good yeah. about doing things that are just like their instinct told them to do it. Right, right, right. Um, I think we've all had an experience specifically with really early sort of RPGs mm-hmm. where something like bites your character and it's like a little snake or something and you die. And you're like, <laughs> I didn't even see that thing on the screen. Like, yeah, this is yeah. really not satisfying. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like, so I'm, I'm totally going to go out on a, psychological limb here uh-huh. um, I don't get to do this very often I, didn't, I do have a degree in it but I don't I don't ever get to talk about this I feel like like evolutionarily speaking and again whenever somebody says evolutionarily speaking right. you know not to listen to them okay. but what, I, what I'm getting at here is that I think that primates don't like fighting snakes because they're very scary to whoa, us whoa whoa and they don't give us and they don't give us a lot of reward but I feel like when primates fight like big meaty things yeah. I think we like that a lot because they have a big reward to attach to them. Yeah. And so oh, I think yeah. that if you want to make uh, some satisfying enemies, you don't have to do this on everything. But I feel like you should make your enemies more like bulls and less like snakes. Have bigger, meatier effects on them. Beautiful. 
you. That Thank is you. really cool. That's why I call you the juice master, even though you won't accept that term. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I do like a that. A journeyman I, is not a disrespectful. <laughs> journeyman is, that, yeah. yeah. Well, I like, I mean, when you say about it having a, a, a feeling, right? Because mm-hmm. that... That transcends mechanics and it transcends aesthetics. It's it's the yeah. it's that sort of holistic sense of it together. Right. And I thought about you recently because something I, I changed in Metro Nexus made me think like, oh, this is juice. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I need you guys to test it first. But uh, so in my game, I, I was able to add uh, Rumble uh, uh, feedback to yep. the controllers. It was a big deal. I was very proud of myself. Um, but I made a mistake about how it was implemented. Um, the um, there's the left motor and the right motor, mm-hmm. but it's not actually. And I was like, oh, I can pan across. Because I've played that sort of in games, but actually that's not, I just read it wrong. What it really is, is it's the strong motor and the weak motor just have to be on the left and right side of the controller. Yeah. So okay. they, that, that's, and that actually creates a more interesting. So once I learned that, I was, um, I was able to add a thing where when you charge up, um, in my game, when you charge up, uh, your weapon, yep. the, originally what happened is just the, uh, the rumble just got stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm. And then when you released it, depending on the direction you were firing, it would sort of quickly over the course of two frames, th- no, three frames, pan across uh, the the rumble, so Based it would feel like your firing direction. So it feel like it would exit your controller in that direction. Oh, and, cool! And pr- I I wrote the software for it, and I was like, "This is great." And it felt like okay, and I'm like, eh, "Whatever." Uh, but it turns out I was just wrong about what those motors did. Oh. <laughs> so it doesn't actually work that way. So I was really disappointed. But then I finally, like, once I finally figured it out, um, I I changed it where um, now it does it it does a sort of a, it does the weak motor or no, it does the the the, the stronger motor, the sort of sh- uh, shorter rotation, so it feels more uh, tightly a, a tight rumble yeah. um, as you charge, and then when you release, it does just like three rotations of the weak motor, just <laughs> and so yeah. it feels like it, it feels like you you're like almost like you're dropping it like it like it's sort of like being so it's being released because in my game you don't fire a gun you charge and release an energy okay so it's like spiraling out of your hand yes that's exactly what it is and when i as soon as when i I, when i try that i'm like oh my god this is juice yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so and it's and that's something where it's it's not really a game mechanic and it's not really an aesthetic to it exactly it's it's that in-between space that it gives a player communication about how this weapon works so it has some mechanical like adjacencies mm-hmm. but it also is essentially you know just the sort of funzy parts of it in terms of how it's expressed so like i, I definitely thought of you when i finally figured that out well that's fantastic <laughs> because redundancy of communication is so important ah, okay. yeah i think that i think that um it's, it's it's probably something that's hard to bake into your like little one week prototypes yeah but like if if you look at your game and think this looks like a uh, cheap new ground circa 1998 uh, <laughs> flash game, then, then, then like just little uh, communication redundancies yeah. help, help a lot. So what's going to happen with your game is people are going to have a much better feel intuitively of how charged up the weapon is mm-hmm. because they don't have to look at their character all the time now yeah. to see that. Um, and further, further, oh man, you guys are so nice. I get to use my degrees again, uh, which is the more, I mean, this is really obvious, but because, uh, different, different senses come in through such different locations. Yeah. Um, one thing that, that that's, uh, is like the more just volume of a person's brain is associated with a task, sure. the more real that thing will feel oh, to them. Sure. And so like, if you can get in a little bit of haptic sound and vision, with as much thing as much as possible, mm-hmm. I mean, your, your your things will cheat by feeling more engaging than they should. Right, right. There's tons of that in Vengeance. Like a lot of it's in the animation. Mm. Like and 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 the sound design has gotten better and better. Mm-hmm. And I know that's something that's like so hard to 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 sort of work on in parallel. But like the it's really fun to watch happen. 
you know? We got to get a little better at the sounds because, like, I oftentimes we'll play the game without sound. And so mm-hmm. I don't recognize when there's not yeah, <laughs> there's yeah, music yeah. sounds until. Oh, what's yeah. that popcorn sound test. when you hit against mine? Like, <laughs> That's that, the best. that improved the game feel, like, incredibly. Like, <laughs> it, and also that communicated to players, like, yeah. that they mm-hmm. can't destroy these things. Yep. Whereas previously, they, visually, that was already apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you didn't, you know, you, but that little popcorn, that sort of harmless noise that was cute and fun. Yeah. Uh, and people would naturally want to repeat because it sounded cool. It, it also by the players then would then purposely add to the volume of that communication, <laughs> which would then communicate to them better. It was yeah. this great feedback loop yeah. that I thought was really cool in your game. The other like miracle thing about sounds for uh, new, new designers is it helps you debug like nothing else. Oh, sure. Um, because you have, you have new like stimulus that's attached to things that are going wrong. Yeah. Like, I think when we first added sound defensions, it was like, a nightmare cacophony because uh, because it was like every frame we were adding new new sounds. Yeah, and there were just actions that we didn't realize yep. were happening all the time. Yeah, I remember that. So I don't know. I feel like I feel like if anything from this conversation, I would like to. If there's somebody brand new to game making, I just want to promote to their awareness how important uh, communication is. Yeah, this yeah. is. I mean, it's really yeah. It's really you're. What uh, I remember when I went to GGC, they had like a talk about this. You guys were in the the game design talk. They had like the like um, the different ways you can communicate to a player. Mm-hmm. I think that was part of it. It's just like how you do it, and this was an aspect of it. Like um, adding this ga- adding the video game juice is important because it makes a player feel like they're actually part of the world, or it makes them feel like they're making an impact in the world. And it requires zero work from the player. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's just it's just free. It's just free yep. points. Yeah, it just it totally <laughs> just makes everything yeah. feel a lot better. It's, yeah. it's well, I know I've been adding uh cutscenes to my game lately and working on the narrative and like, you know, coming again face to face with the fact that players don't want to read anything. They don't want to learn the rules. They're just not interested in it, and that's not your that's not their fault. It's your fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, communicating in other ways is just it's not just like it's not extra, it's vital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And I mean, Martha, you're making a point and click game. So like you're going to be facing this all over the place. Yeah. Players going to be just like breaking the, you're, and you're going to watch them play and you're going to be like, it's right there. It's so obvious. <laughs> right? Click that pixel. <laughs> Not that one. No, yeah. it's the rain. You have to wash the car. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, and that is expressed in mechanics as well for a, for a game like that. So, yeah. I mean, have you thought about like climbing that mountain? Like how that's going to be for you? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've thought about when I've been playing other point and clicks, I'm like, oh, this is how they're teaching you. Like, I guess I've been, when I've been like, for example, pajama Sam, uh, at the beginning, your first task is to find his pajama Sam cape because otherwise he can't go out and be pajama Sam, (laughs) obviously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) But that like teaches you like that you have to click around the room because he won't leave until you find the cape. So it's like a, a little bit of a block, but it's not that hard to find because you event it's just random. You eventually will find it. There's no clue. Right. But it just teaches that one mechanic of click on everything. Ah, okay. Cool. So I'm like trying to think like it's also hard not to copy exactly what other people have right, done. Right. You know, like yeah. but yeah, that's what I've been thinking about. Like how do you teach it one part of a time? Yeah, juice can really help people feel or and can can learn from it. Like we've uh, Oh man, remember when we didn't have Rumble and Fingens? Those are the dark ages. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, some people have old Logitech controllers that won't have Rumble. Like we can't rely on it too much. I know, but man, but, it makes the game so much better. Yeah, dude, this is this is the scary part because like there was a time where I got to watch Steven play uh, something I'd made, but with no sound and with no Rumble, and he was like, "I don't think this is very good." 
And it's just like, okay, Steven, you got, you got Trent. Right, Charles, and, Charles, I need your music, man. And, and remember, remember, Steven doesn't care about those things <laughs> as a player. So that's... Oh, this that, is something Steven's changed his mind on, that, right? That, yeah. That's how lacking juice uh, it had. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Something I changed. Oh, yeah, little see. Steven's heart grew three sizes. <laughs> okay. But like um, adding Rumble to stuff, because... Uh, um, your favorite character, Martha, uh, Sparky, Sparky. <laughs> has um, is unique in that uh, she's got two gadgets that you can hold and charge up. Yeah, and um, that would not be the same without the Rumble, right? Yeah, because Rumble it, it, is an increase in Rumble over time too. I think. Yeah, and then right at the end, it has a little like uh, snap to it, right. just to tell you that like right now you can fire for full strength. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff like it, it teaches the players without you having to say, "Oh, uh, by the way, Sparky can charge up her things." You do have a <laughs> that tells you that. Is it oh. in that Poindexter voice? Does it? Yes. <laughs> I do all the voices for Finjin. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it adds so much and it, it, it teaches mm-hmm. players without you having to tell them. It's, man, it's just, it's so useful. Yeah. So how to, you know, a, a, a game dev listening at home, how do they recognize what needs juice? That is a good question. Uh, I would think that something like, when you're when you're playing a thing in your game and it doesn't quite hit the points you want, mm-hmm. like um, like I don't know if you have a uh, shooting mechanism in your game and um, it just kind of feels flat. It feels like you're shooting something. You can see it in the game, but like it doesn't really feel like it because there's no sound associated with it. the sound. Isn't heavy enough? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. you're shooting a shotgun and you want the sound to feel extremely powerful. Right. You might want to up the decibels on that or something, mm-hmm. or make it sound give it more bass, or give it a large rumble when you do fire the gun or something sure, like that or to make shake it, or something, yeah, to make yeah. it feel powerful. Otherwise the, the, the weapon won't feel powerful and it'll be, you could compare it to like any other weapon in your game and right, it won't right. feel as good. Yeah. So, I mean that that's like, instead of going right to tweaking the mechanic, thinking about all the other dimensionality of that moment yeah. and finding maybe other ways that before you start, you know, changing the core of that feature that you don't think is working. Yeah. I was just going to ask you what you think, Lane, to oh, get well, back to you. Thank you. <laughs> Heartwarming. Um, uh, I, so I think uh, two thoughts, the first of which is uh, I think that if you're somebody who's interested in amping up the feel of the game, mm-hmm. you probably owe it to yourself to like take a week, maybe just on your current project and just try to like do a um, junior's thesis on the feel yeah. of like just like like pick one ability or something and just try to make oh, it as good sure. as possible. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah. I think one way to like really gauge if you if you need this is um, watch YouTube Let's Plays of Hollow Knight because that's a game that is made by a Juice Master. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because in that game, you cannot watch somebody play that game without watching them just like. Jump around like an idiot, flailing their sword around through all the vines and stuff wherever they go. Yeah. Because what, what what that game does is so magical. Everything that you uh, that you hit has its own texture. So not only is the sound design just perfect in that game, mm. but also depending on the hardness of the thing that you mm-hmm. hit, you can feel the world as you go. So you're like a little kid just exploring the world more with your hands than your <laughs> eyes. Because like as you hit different things, you'll feel like oh, this one has like this little rumble. Oh, this thing has this little clang and a bigger rumble. This thing causes the frame rate to drop like intentionally right. and the time to distort just slightly because it's really big and really scary. Hmm. And, uh, and it, I think, I think if, you, if you can watch people playing a game and they're just entertaining themselves by just doing basic interactions with the world, right. then you've got something yeah. really good. Because I feel like that's, an, that's like an engine that can like let your game coast yeah. a little bit. 
Mm-hmm. I, I'm not I'm not quite explaining that that well enough, but I feel like that's that's something that a game can like independent of every other aspect. If a game does that, it'll entertain people. Right. Yeah. If the game feels fun to play, it'll entertain them, even if like there's not much else to the game. Yeah. Let's 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 leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That is our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app. Be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really do need to know you're out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends, too. Also, uh, feedback form, Stephen. We're still pushing yeah, for it. Yeah, Lane was nice and gave us feedback. That's oh, true. God. You but, sound so accusatory for yeah, me. Yeah, well, no, this is a great success story because, <laughs> Lane, you have been a good friend to us and to this show. Yes. You've given us really good notes on what's working, what we should tweak, what we should focus on and what we should maybe not so focus on. And, <laughs> and it's been really valuable. And like, why let Lane have all the influence guys? Uh, give us feedback and uh, help us improve because yeah. Lane did it and it works. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Topple me from my throne of bones. <laughs> <laughs> How can they do that? Steven? Nicegames.club slash feedback. Yeah. It's a short form. You can fill out as much of it as you want. Tell us what you think. Yeah. All right. And of course, we also want to hear directly from you. Uh, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing. Send us your topics and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice hosts, your nice guests, and get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. that game is so good why is that game so good lane i mean mark feel free to cut this if this is not germane to the topic uh-huh. you know it's not germane to the topic whatsoever there's no way i'm cutting this well, I, have to explain. <laughs> I have to get this out there that game is perfect because as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast that's indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply